Greetings to those who watch below. I know you haven't heard those words in a while, but due to personal, work and health related matters, I had to step away from the channel for a while. But I'm back now and ready to gear up for a fantastic future with the channel. Before we start, I'd like to say thank you so much to everybody who stuck around and continue to subscribe to the channel, especially those who dwell below our exclusive channel membership that gets you shoutouts at the start of every video. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Chris BLK Chris, Tegan S, Tasos Karamaris, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, and Canopsia Art. I want to start things back off again with one of our favourite subjects, ghost stories. So without further ado, it's time to check out some truly creepy paranormal tales. Creepy Floaty Faced Thing by Bettina Marie When I was 18, I shared a flat in Boise's historic Warm Springs neighbourhood with two of my younger brothers. The house we lived in was old for the area, divided into our upstairs apartment and our neighbours below. We were smack dab between a hospital, the old Idaho State Penitentiary, and the old Fort Boise Cemetery a few blocks or so from what is left of historic downtown Boise and the tunnels where Asian immigrants were forced to trade. Plenty of history roaming around. We all loved that house, even though its odd division meant that our living room was formerly an upstairs porch, complete with a front door and windows which opened into the main house. The porch had been closed off, with more windows all along the three outer walls. We rallied some milk crates, a boombox, a hideous pink rescue couch, and a posh, velvety, spinning 1970s thrift store rocker recliner. We tacked up a few yards of gauze's curtains and considered ourselves smartly furnished. The only way the couch really fit into the narrow room was along the shorter wall, facing the length of the room and three walls of windows. The rocker we put in the middle, just even with the door, beneath the front set of windows. It was humble, but homely, in the way only a grubby punk bachelor pad could be. One warm autumn day, I came home from work to find my brother's girlfriend Kay waiting for him. She was sitting on the couch, so I plopped in the rocker and chucked off my shoes. It was sunny and hot, and we did not say much, just listening to music and smoking cigs. We didn't really know each other well, so we were just kind of both awkwardly waiting for the guys to come back. Lazy and sweaty from biking home, I was shoving the rocker slowly side to side, back and forth, pushing with my stockinged feet on the windowsills. Several times as I came around the back side, I imagined that I saw a grumpy little wrinkly face staring into the sunny upstairs window. As that is impossible, I assumed tricks of contrast or reflection and just kept rocking back around. Then, I had to stop and stare out the window. Floating away from the window and turning to my left was a clear, or pale, very skinny, small wizened figure with the face of a grumpy old person. It had like a ruffle nightcap, like Little House on the Prairie. The figure was very small, maybe two feet tall. It glided with its arms drawn up stiffly, gnarled fists at a chest level. It sort of clouded and trailed off at the waist. I could not believe what I was seeing. It stared straight ahead, unhappy, so I turned away with a childish hope 
that it had not seen me. I had goosebumps all over, sitting in the sun. I sort of mentally chastised my wild imagination and just kept sitting there quietly with Kay. The last thing I wanted was to make things more awkward. Then, out of the blue, she's like, Did you just now see that banshee behind you in the window? It had sort of looked like the banshee in Darby O'Gill. She had been watching it float outside behind me. Freaking out, we both described seeing basically the same thing as one another. She was in tears. We went downstairs and sat outside until my brothers came home. Kay was still very upset, and one of our friends, an army medic, treated her for shock. As far as I know, neither of us has the sight, but she was young and troubled. I did not know then that that age can be a sort of a magnet for weird energy. Other weird, unrelated things happened at that house. Before and after, my brothers heard footsteps in the empty kitchen on the other end of the house. They did not tell me until years later, or that at our neighbour's house, one could sometimes hear laughing or a party. The house had previously been a brothel. I don't think what Kay and I saw was an actual banshee, but I cannot say if it was a ghost or what. It was so small. Wouldn't a person ghost be person-sized? It did not seem like it was trying to get in or be seen. Shadow Person in the Family by Carmen Xerxes I don't know where to put my experiences out of paranoia that I will be categorised as a lunatic. Ironically, I had a history of being a hard sceptic who mocked anything that was paranormal, supernatural, anything that is spiritual. But I know it's because I don't want to give it attention out of fear, and I don't want to see visions again. Seeing visions in these entities was very confusing and irritating for me as a child. I tried testing if I was schizophrenic, but no. It also came with hearing them, feeling them, and even catching their scent for just as long. But the ones I'd like to talk about today are shadow people. They were the first real, vivid experiences I knew weren't just figments of my imagination. I remember they came in groups at night, but there was one who was darker than the very shadows themselves. The darkness of this entity was so dense that light seemed to be absorbed on contact to it, nor can the light reflect to escape its figure. I would see it come in through the light of the bathroom door, like directly in the light, so I knew it wasn't just shadows playing tricks. Its feet would crunch against the carpet floor as it moved around my bed, never taking its eyes off of me. It was tall, but it would slink down behind the foot of the bed where its head would peek out. This one and those around it would give off emotions of sheer trepidation. If I moved, if I didn't pretend to sleep, it would be right there, getting closer. Alongside these wide-awake terrors, I would have horrible nightmares back to back every night. I decided to change it up a bit. I wanted to create a truce with it. So, I would offer it cookies under my bed as a child. Of course, none were taken, or I assumed my father would simply know about it and eat them. Either way, it was symbolic that I just wanted to ease my stress. However, one night when I was seven, I dreamt that I jumped out of bed and confronted the shadow person. I started to slowly suffocate him until he dissolved. Ever since that dream, the shadow people stopped visiting. 
until I met another shadow person years after, in a new home over 15 years later. It was a very familiar aura coming up the stairs of that house. In the shadows, I saw a dense blackness, and I know it was watching me. It gave off the same eerie, air-thickening sensations, but I didn't sense it was a threat. It would stare at me in its eerie glory of being the darkest of shadows, and its ever-moving figure, but it kept its distance. Something in me told me, you have far more power now, and it knows it. I was also getting into witchcraft after finally realising that nothing could help me truly escape from seeing or interacting with spirits and entities, and I didn't want the fear of it to control me anymore. I sat up wards, looked at him in the darkness of my house one night and said, you try anything, I'll inflict harm and throw you out in the cold. I don't know what good that did, but in my observation they seemed to dislike direct confrontation, or any indication that you have any intense will to fight back. Over time I didn't pay too much mind to this entity and just allowed it to wander around. No ill happenings have taken place, no indications that there are any strange mood drops, and the presence felt less intrusive despite that it's still prevalently there. I had friends who are into mediumship immediately pick him up in my home, but they also didn't feel anything really threatening other than the usual eeriness. One night, I felt a dip in my bed before I went to sleep. I felt and I heard something breathing too in staccato breaths. I didn't really want to look over at what it was other than I knew who it was. It just simply laid there next to me and I can just imagine it was staring. I decided to say, you can lay here if you want, but anything else, I will hurt you. I was actually more scared than I tried to let on. After researching on the phenomena of shadow people, they seem to feel and take that fear in as an advantage, but seemingly in this case, it was nervous to return. The turn was when I had a dream, or I astrally projected. I went out of my body and started to wander around my own home. Before I started to venture beyond my front door, I saw it stepping into my view and I heard its raspy, distorted voice echo, Go back to your body. It's dangerous out there without it. With that, it escorted me back into my bedroom and I woke up. Since then, when I have dreams of leaving my body, I see the entity coming in to block me and send me back and tell me it's for my safety. I decided it wasn't going to hurt me, and I made the decision to set up some fresh black tea upon my altar for him as a sign of a truce for now. In the reality of this, I am still readily available to the idea that I am just delusional. It was tricking me, or it was a figment of my imagination. During times when I want to give up the notion it's real, I had people claim they saw a really dark humanoid shadow coming and going by in the blink of an eye in my home, without me telling them anything about it. Currently for now, he is considered a family member of my spiritual team. I will not give away his name, other than he's grown to be actually someone of comfort. However, for any entity or any person embodying a vessel, I won't let all of my guard down if anything else happens. I'm still very perplexed about the concept of what is a shadow person, other than articles upon articles of supposed assumptions or experts preaching their demonic, guardians, extraterrestrials or other. 
The only thing I care about is if it respects my boundaries and if it later shows other considerations. I will return the favour and I'll gain respect for it until further notice. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Before we carry on to the next story, I'd like to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, make sure you do, hitting that notification bell so that you never miss a video. And if you like the stories so far, make sure to smash that like button, it's right down there next to the subscribe one. Now, on with the stories. The Ghosts of the Graveyard, 3-in-1 Experiences, by Crimson Flame. First off, let me say, supernatural experiences are not by any means uncommon in my family. Some of us welcome it, some of us ignore it, some of us think such sensitivity a little more than a curse. I'll mention a few standouts quickly. My grandmother is particularly sensitive. Dad thinks she doesn't talk much about her experience or skill because of her family background. Her father was a very predominant townsman, and an odd daughter would do nothing for his favour. He was also very religious. She once had a dream, well, one she told others of, where she was visited by an old friend in the yard they used to play in, where after sitting on the old tree swing, her friend left after telling her goodbye. We learned, a few days later, that this woman had been in a coma for a few months and had died peacefully in her sleep the morning of this dream. My father has had experiences himself. He believes he saw in the mid-50s, early 60s, a real witch, or potentially a ghost of a distant era, wandering around the outskirts of an old Indian burial ground. This was a time when people didn't care for such stuff, that had been disturbed for the construction of a subdivision. He can still recount what she looked like 40 years later. My brother has had experiences, the most interesting being when he was 14 with an entire room full of classmates getting changed for Jim. He and many others saw a softly glowing blue male humanoid walk through the door, pass by them all, and into the shower area. Some of the brave kids, there were about 12 to 16 boys, chased after this figure, but when they turned the lights on, no one was there. Apparently, during the gym being built, some poor sod was killed in a horrific accident. I've had a few experiences with the supernatural. One I will recount is what happened a few years ago while taking part in a war reenactment taking place in the local graveyard. Now, for the record, like my grandmother, I do not like graveyards. Her reason is her own, it might be related. However, within 30 minutes of standing in a graveyard, regardless of the weather, I will get pounding migraine headaches, a pressure behind the eyes that sometimes goes away with just leaving, sometimes needs a Tylenol to get rid of. So why am I partaking in a reenactment in a graveyard? Well, the history sounded interesting. That and a few Tylenol would curb any headache, so I went. We were originally doing practice runs to get everyone in sync for the performance, as most of us were volunteers, and as such, 
the actual tour itself wasn't set to start until much later in the month. Now this graveyard is overrun with dozens of small gravestones that are crammed here, there and everywhere, easy to trip over in the middle of the dark. The reenactment area itself was lit by a series of small lights along the two main paths, and as the darkness crept in, oftentimes only the lights and the lanterns that the guides kept with them were the only means of navigating this graveyard. To me, this wasn't frightful. I've always been capable of seeing better in the dark than most people, and having worked in some dangerous locations, it takes quite a bit for me to become uncomfortable. I and a few others were stationed in one corner of the cemetery, right beside this gravel pathway, which, if local legend is to be believed, existed when the war itself was taking place, and had been employed by surgeons to hoof injured soldiers back for medical care. Behind this graveyard were houses, one of which had a large dog, a German shepherd by its looks, that welcomed us messing around in the cemetery by constantly barking. Given as we would start about 9pm, he was justified with his annoyance. Two nights of practice went by. Whenever my little group wasn't doing something, I would constantly find myself watching the gravel pathway, sometimes prowling up and down it, or venturing close by and just looking. Maybe it was just paranoia. We were a group of mostly children and women, and this part of the cemetery was readily accessible to the public, some of whom were unsavoury in that area. And the pathway would let someone sneak up on the theatre group from the behind, as it were. As mentioned, I worked in some dangerous locations, places where people were threatened with guns, where people stabbed their stepfather with broken wine bottles, etc. And one doesn't survive in such places with their heads in the clouds. Or maybe that was what I wanted to think. On the third night, as the guide was going through the upper areas of the graveyard, making sure everyone was getting their lines, I decided to do a bit of exploring. It was getting dark, but there was plenty of light for me to see by, and the guide wouldn't be in my area for about 45 minutes to an hour at the earliest. So, telling the others I was just going to check out one of the larger, more unique gravestones, I took off and did just that. I got a chill when reading his inscription that ran the length of my spine, but nothing seriously alarming. I could hear my colleagues talking in the background, and the dog was still barking away. However, it was on my way back, walking alongside the gravel pathway on the grass, intent to scare the people in my group, that I realised something was following me. I could hear the gravel crunching underneath what seemed to be more than one set of feet. Now remember, I said this area was easily accessible to the public, and given that this was nearing 10.45pm, I couldn't see any reason why a respectable person would be walking down what was essentially a very dark pathway in the middle of the night. So I turned around, expecting to confront someone up to no good, only to find myself facing absolutely nothing. Or nothing for a few seconds. Even as I decided my mind was playing tricks on me, and it was time to go back to the others, every single hair on my arms and on the back of my neck rose on end. Despite the humid temperature, a nice fall night, and the fact I was wearing a long-sleeved jacket, typical of that era, my skin immediately erupted into goosebumps. My headache, itself a constant dull ache, intensified. That dog, who was constantly barking at us, uttered one single high-pitched whine and fell utterly silent. 
Now I know others say when they encounter the supernatural, they get a gut-wrenching feeling, or they feel paralysed, or they run for the hills. As I mentioned, such encounters are not unusual for my family. I and my family, when I was much younger, lived in a haunted house where a doctor had tended to patients that died, and where he himself had died. Actually, that isn't the only haunted property known to the family. So I stood still, some 100 yards if that from the others in my group, listening. Did I feel terror? No. Paralysed? No. The only disconcerting thing was that the fog, which constantly lingered in the graveyard, was more intense down in this lower area. Always has been. So, aside from the darkness, the fog was blanketing out anything visible past a few hundred feet. Still, those feet I heard were coming closer. However, even with my eyesight, I could see nothing within the gloom. That wasn't the only sound. There was, having been around horses since very young, what I swore was the distant jingle of a harness in the background. It couldn't have been the houses or dog nearby, for they were too far away to be heard like that. Could I see anything? Not a thing. But some subconscious part was aware of the fact something went by me in time with the sound of footsteps, something that I was almost close enough to touch. Though blind, my head turned to follow it. That something, after all, wasn't interested in me. We were just two or more entities that had the fortune of crossing paths. If this something was as aware of me as I was aware of it, well, one can only guess. I sensed no malice, so I stood until the sounds of footsteps and jingling disappeared, wondering as to whom they had been and why they were still wandering this world. Only when it was quiet, the footsteps and the jingling gone, did the dog start his barking again. He too knew something was out there that night. It might not have been the first time he encountered these souls, but his barking broke whatever spell was there. I had one last glance in the direction the noise had gone, and I turned back, rejoining my group just as the guide was coming our way. Now, I should say, I wasn't the only one to experience things in this graveyard. A few days later, when prowling among the graves waiting for our turn to prove we had our lines and actions down, I heard one of the younger girls I was working with call out my name. Thinking that something was going on, I hustled back only to find that nothing was obviously wrong, outside of the fact that they were frightened. As it turned out, they had heard someone, not necessarily an animal, for it was noisy, tromping through the graveyard in front of them and between the group ahead of us where the guide and actors were recounting lines. This was followed by a heavy thump. Now remember, I mentioned that the graveyard was full of small gravestones and that the only real lights were on the pathways. Cutting through the graveyard during the later hours of darkness was pretty much a guarantee for twisting your ankle badly. When they asked if I'd been in that area, for it was known that I wandered about in downtime, it was a negative. I had been further down the path talking to the second to last group, asking them about the cemeteries and the church's history, seeing as, unlike me, they were born and bred locals. Now, unlike the gravel pathway that is easily accessible to the public, to get to this area where the girls had heard noise, someone would have had to pass by at least three other actor groups. The last time that had happened, the first day of practice, with a couple walking their dog, passing through, one of the assistants had trailed them the entire time, as the tour wasn't on then. 
but there were no assistants in the area, and the guide was just above us with the fourth to last group. The funny thing is, the next day as we were setting up for practice, someone found part of a broken tombstone in that area. The gravestone was already partially cracked, to begin with, and a nudge would have been enough to finish it off. But travel through the graveyard was rare. As mentioned, it was quite overrun with small stones you could easily fall over. Why am I mentioning this when I didn't experience it myself? Well, during the middle of the tour, nearly a month later, I happened to experience that ghost in the graveyard that the girls had heard. The tour itself is guided and divided into sections, each section having actors or actresses doing particular things or saying certain lines, all of which is related to the graveyard and local history. It takes about an hour and a half to two hours to complete. As we were one of the last groups, it can get as boring as watching paint dry, hence my wondering. However, given as we now had paying customers, when the guides got closer to our area, I stayed in our region. I didn't want to be caught running to play catch-up. So, during the fifth tour day, as the guide and his guests came up to the group above ours, just like what I mentioned happening with the girls prior, I happened to see movement out the corner of my eye. I wasn't the only one, as one of the girls and the young boy who knew about the ghosts in this region, his parents' house backed onto another graveyard, where he had told me he oftentimes heard musket fire in the early hours of the morning, happened to see this guy too. What did we see? Well, a gentleman dressed in turn-of-the-century clothing, with a heavy black cloak at his shoulders, striding through the cemetery. Now his get-up was remarkably like that of the actor playing the surgeon doctor, so the initial response of John, let's call him John, is going somewhere. However, as the brain caught up with what the eyes were seeing, the brain said, Nah, that isn't John, because being the middle of October, around 10pm at night, there was barely enough light to some of the areas that marked the path, let alone through that ankle-twisting maze of a graveyard. It might have been John, had he had a lantern or was moving slowly. However, this gentleman was striding through the graveyard rapidly and with purpose without a lantern. Another reason why it wasn't John, John's spot was above us in the graveyard. He wasn't supposed to be near the gravel trail, and yet that was where this chap was heading. So, shaking away that hair-raising sensation, realising that this was a ghost I was looking at, probably even the surgeon doctor that John had been employed to resemble, I assured the younger volunteers that yes, it was just John, and asked if they were ready. I don't think the boy fell for it, though but as I mentioned, he knew of ghosts himself. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Black Faceless Mystery by Mabel Dog My story began late August or early September 2016. The school my son goes to called us and said he was crying, and when asked why, he told him that the mystery person told him to hurt his brother. He said he wasn't going to listen to him, though. At the time, I didn't think much of it, 
because school can be stressful for a five-year-old that has just started kindergarten. My wife and I shrugged it off as his imagination. He does play pretend with normal things like Ninja Turtles and stuff, so at the time this didn't seem too crazy. A few weeks later, I picked him up from school and we went to Walgreens. On our way, he mentioned that the mystery person was following us. When we got to the store, he said, Look, Daddy, he's crawling on the walls. He's crawling on the ceiling. I looked at him, and while he was saying this, his eyes were definitely tracking something that I could not see. I asked him what his name was. He told me, He can't tell me his name. I asked, Well, why not? And he said, Because he has no face. He has no mouth, no eyes, no nose or ears. I thought this was getting a bit strange, but being a very rational person, I still assumed his imagination was just running wild. He would still talk about having seen it at school over the next month. I didn't get many details about it until probably early November, when we were downstairs playing. He said he had seen the mystery person at school. I asked him where does the mystery person come from. He told me, he comes from underground and is covered in fire. At this point, I began to suspect maybe there is a bit more to this thing than just imagination. There is nothing he watches or has ever seen that remotely resembles anything like he has described. He watches Spongebob and Dora, and that's about it. My older son, who is seven, said the mystery person is not real. This made my five-year-old upset. He reaffirmed to him that he was indeed real. Most of the time, nothing happens regarding this around our house. I would say 99% of the time, he is a completely normal five-year-old. He has friends, is not super quiet, but not very talkative either. A few weeks later, probably late November, is when it started to get very strange. I was cooking dinner, and I hear him yell from his room, Daddy, look! Come look! I put dinner on hold for a moment and went to his room. He was jumping on his bed, laughing and looking out the window. He points to our neighbour's nativity scene they had set up earlier that day across the street and says, Look, Daddy, the mystery person. He can't get past baby Jesus. Now at this point, I am pretty sure there is a lot more to this thing than imagination at work. This kid has been to church maybe five times in his life. Although he did go to preschool at a church, which is where he learned about baby Jesus. He said baby Jesus was making the mystery person angry, so he laughed. About three weeks later, it got worse. He was outside playing during recess and just started crying. The teacher asked him what was wrong and he said, The mystery person told me to get the sharpest metal and kill my friends. At this point, the school needed to have a meeting with us to address the issue. The next day, my wife went to meet with them and she finds out that the counsellor had asked him what it looks like. He told her his skin was black, and he wears a hood. He was very precise about it, going as far to mention that it is not like a black person, but black. He had also mentioned that it lives underground, underneath his classroom, and that it was going to leave on the first day of winter and return in the spring. I thought to myself, finally he mentioned something that does not align with a demon. A few days later, I decided to do some research on demons, and come to find out this is actually a fairly common thing. I read about a demon, and there was a line like, This demon, like many others, will leave on the first day of winter and return in the spring. 
We still have no idea how he knew when the first day of winter was. He wasn't learning that in kindergarten, and we didn't tell him, but on December 21st, he knew. The next day I thought, screw this thing. So I went to the Christian bookstore and got him his own little nativity scene and a cross necklace for good measure. I set out the nativity scene in our living room and told him I got him a cool necklace if he wants to wear it. He didn't want to wear it at the time, so I hung it up on the fridge. December 23rd comes and he's looking out the window in our kitchen and says, The mystery person is gone now, but he will be back. He pauses and points to the cross necklace I had hung on the fridge and says, Daddy, the mystery person doesn't like that. I asked if he wanted to wear it and he said, Yeah, very enthusiastically. He put on the necklace and was dancing to a Disney song in the living room saying, Oh, the mystery person is so mad about this. He's very angry. He stops and points right at me and says, Daddy, the mystery person says I know what you are trying to do. I said that I thought the mystery person is gone now. My son told me, He is, but I can still hear him. This is the point at which I think to myself, Screw this thing, I'm getting a priest in here. I found a priest that would come do a house blessing. He asked me all sorts of questions about what books I read to him, shows he watches, games he plays, all that sort of thing. As far as I knew, there were no cursed objects in the house or anything like that, and I wasn't showing him any horror movies or crazy stuff, so he comes over about a week later. As soon as the priest steps foot in our house, my son had a message for him. He said, The mystery person wants to knock you out. The priest did the blessing, everything was normal, and went well, I thought. Since then, he hasn't been able to hear this thing inside our house. I'm somewhat worried because he is back in school now and tells the teacher the mystery person is underneath the classroom sleeping. There are a few other details we have received about it. It has glowing red eyes at night, has a shield of fire, has said something one time about its body having like ornaments about it, and that it tries to be sneaky. He sees a psychiatrist that has ruled out the possibility of him being crazy. The school counsellor says something like this is way outside the pretend range for a five-year-old, and she has also seen him track it with his eyes. I have no idea what to do. He has asked us to make him go away. He learned himself that if he shows it Jesus, it gets mad and runs away. We never told him to do that at all. I'm 99% sure that this thing is real, I just have no idea how to explain to a five-year-old what he is seeing. On Christmas Eve, he was in the car and started laughing. He told us God gave him a present. That means God will protect him and that he belongs to God now. I asked to see it, and at the time, I had no idea what it was. It looked like a tiny medal with a cross on it. After doing a search, we found out it is a St. Benedict medal. St. Benedict, I guess is the protector of school children and protection from demons. We started taking him to church, and he sees it outside of churches. I asked him what it is doing and he said, He waits to attack someone when they leave. For now, it's been quiet. Nothing new. I just hope that it doesn't get worse. Thank you so much for listening to today's video, guys. I really hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. I will be back soon with some more terrifying tales. So, until then, sleep tight.